Welcome to 2018. You doing well so far in the new year? Good, about 20 of you. All right, Jasper, hope you're doing well. Uh, and just to clarify, I like to clarify this at the beginning of every year. It is 2018, all right? Not 2018. We didn't say 1999. We said 19 and 20, all right? So hope you're having a good 2018. We're kicking off this year, this 2018, with a new series called Habits. And I'm really, really excited about it because we are all more open to developing good, godly habits at the beginning of the year. And so we've got a lot planned as a church that we want to all of us kind of come along together and, and live these out to kind of develop these habits in our life. But before we get into the message, would you pray with me as we get started? Father, thank you for your grace in our life. Thank you for everything that you have done last year, everything we look forward to you doing this year. But more than anything, God, we want to know you. We want to experience you more in our life. And so as we open up your word today, God, I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears to hear and to understand it. And God, then by your spirit to apply it and live it out in our life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When we talk about habits, I was thinking this morning and, and kind of even praying to myself and thought, you know, I was praying, God, please help me to be a, a more disciplined person. Because uh, I really wrestle with that just on a personal level. And I literally felt the Holy Spirit say back to me, Jason, you are disciplined just in the wrong direction. Just, just in the wrong things. You live a disciplined life. You just got the bad habits. And so we think about the word habits. What I want us to think about, I'm going to give you a couple quotes here to kind of get our mind going when we discuss habits. Because habits are so important in our life. Here's the first one. It'll be on the screen. We first make our habits... And then our habits make us. We first make our habits, and then our habits make us. When you think about the word habit, you're thinking about literally the definition of is things that you just do involuntarily. Just actions and traditions or customs that you do that just kind of almost like second nature to you. And when we think about habits, we literally are what we repeatedly do. And so we make our habits, and then those habits make us. We are the sum total of all of our habits lived out every day of our life. Whatever it is that we do every day ultimately is going to determine who we are and who we become. And so we think about habits, it's so important to make sure that you make the right habits. Because if you make your habits and your habits make you, you better make sure that the habits that are making you are making you into the person you want to be. And so as we start this new year, we want us to really think about, okay, what are those habits that we need to have in our life that are going to make us into the person we want to be? Here's the second quote. I'm going to give it to you from a pastor in a church in Birmingham called Church of the Highlands, a very great church. In fact, it's where we got the idea of this 21-day prayer and fasting that we're doing. Here's what he said. Pastor Chris Hodges said this, we have uphill hopes, but have downhill habits. Let me say that again, and then I'll unpack it for you. We have uphill hopes. We have hopes that, yes, this is going to happen. This good thing's going to happen. Things that we can see, kind of vision-oriented things. But then he said, we have downhill habits. Our habits don't match our hopes. Now, hope is an important thing. If you were here at the end of last year in our series called uh, The Arrival, we talked about hope. Hope is very important. But we need to understand something. Hope in itself is not a strategy. If you go into 2018 just hoping it's going to be different, it ain't going to be different. If you go into 2018 hoping to have a better marriage, but you don't have the habits to go along with that hope, 
that hope is literally not going to produce that for you. It's not a strategy. A hope is a vision or a preferred future, something you're confident that's going to happen, but we have to have uphill habits to match those hopes. So think about it like this. Your habits are simply your hope in action. Your habits are simply saying, I hope this is going to happen and therefore I'm going to sow into making it happen. I'm going to do everything that I can humanly possibly do to make sure that these hopes that I have become a reality. So we think about hopes. What we need to understand is hopes and habits are so interrelated. They are so uh, intimately connected that a lot of us have hopes and dreams. We just never have developed the habits to develop and therefore hopefully reap those hopes. So as we start 2018, we're calling this series called Habits because we want to talk about some uphill habits we can develop in our life so that we can see the hopes that we want to see. And rightfully so, when we talk about habits, the one person to talk about who had the best habits or who was the best person to ever live is Jesus himself. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Luke chapter 4. So we're going to hang out really for this entire series if you don't have a Bible, as always, we'd love to give you one for free uh, on us. We are a gift to you after the service. You can grab that, but it's always on the screen as well. In Luke chapter four, we're going to kind of go out of order here because I want to make a point about Jesus's habits and then go back and look at some of them. But our key verse for this series is Luke chapter four, verse 16. I want to read it to you. It says this, and he being Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his what? Custom, if you're new, I'd like for you to call and respond. All right, everybody, let's try it again. As was his what? Custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. As was his custom. Let me give you the definition of that word custom. It means to carry out a custom or a tradition. To be in the habit of. Jesus had habits. See, I think so often we can wrongly just focus on the fact that Jesus was the son of God. It's not wrong to focus on that in and of itself, but it's wrong to understand that yes, Jesus was the son of God, but he was also the son of man. And I think for a lot of us, we just look at the Bible or the life of Jesus through the prism of, well, he was God in the flesh. And yes, that's true. He's the co-eternal God. He is the word of God, John says, that has always existed. So spiritually speaking, Jesus never had a beginning. He's always been there. By him, all things were created, the Bible says. Anything in the creation category came by him. But there was a point in time where God put on flesh and dwelt among us. That's the whole story of Christmas, right? That we just celebrated. So Jesus, not only was he the son of God, he was what he liked to refer to himself as more than anything. His favorite phrase for himself was son of man. And here's what we need to understand about Jesus. Jesus, as a man, had to grow just like any other man has to. I mean, amazingly, when Jesus was conceived in the womb, yes, he was fully God, but he was not a fully developed man. And when he was born, yes, he was fully God, but he wasn't fully grown. 
And interestingly enough, in Luke chapter two, we don't get much of Jesus's early life. We get one snapshot when he was 12 years old at the temple. We'll get into more of this next week, as was his custom to go to the synagogues. But then it says this about Jesus. He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and men. So the son of God, as a man, had to grow. Now think about this. The reason why Jesus grew, not just in a physical sense, like his body getting older and those kind of things maturing physically, but he was maturing, the Bible says, in wisdom and in favor with both God and man. What that means is it was the habits that Jesus had that developed or brought out the holiness of who he was. See, again, we just think about, well, of course Jesus was holy because he was God. Yeah, but here's what you need to understand. It was also his habits of holiness. Jesus had habits. Jesus didn't just sit back on the beach drinking Mai Tais thinking, I'm the son of God, right? No, he approached every day of his life, his entire life. He approached it with one of discipline. He had habits of holiness, and we just saw that as was his custom, as was his tradition, as was his habit, he went to the synagogues. And we're going to talk about some specific habits that Jesus had, three in particular that are all in this chapter, and we'll take the next three weeks to look at all of them. But three habits that a great book I would highly recommend to any of you on the area of discipline really changed my life early on um, in ministry called Celebration of Discipline by a guy named Richard Foster. He talks about discipline. It's been out for like 25 years now, probably the book on spiritual discipline. And he breaks down those three uh, or spiritual disciplines into three categories. He calls them inward, outward, and corporate. We're going to take some of those. I'm going to rename one. We're going to talk about Jesus's inward habits. Jesus' outward habits, and then Jesus' communal habits, what he did with the people of God. This week, we're going to focus on the first one, Jesus' inward habits, Jesus' inward customs. We might call those personal spiritual disciplines. Jesus had personal habits, personal spiritual disciplines that he did on a daily basis that kept him in right relationship with God. I mean, think about this. The son of God in the flesh had habits of holiness. If Jesus had to have habits, don't you think we do? If the son of God, God in the flesh had habits. I mean, this is what's amazing. Memorize, you'll see this in just a second. Memorizing the first five books of the Bible. It could have been very easy to be Jesus. And be like, I know I wrote them. But you see Jesus, the man, developing the habits, the spiritual, inward, personal disciplines in his life. And it was those habits of holiness that enabled him to get all the way to the end of his life without sinning and being perfect before God. So some inward spiritual disciplines that Jesus had. Now in Luke chapter four, back up, go to verse one. We're going to talk about these spiritual inward, personal disciplines that Jesus had. Amazingly, again, you're going to see all of them in this chapter. And you see it all throughout the Gospels. Luke chapter 4, verse 1, you're going to see the first one. 
which I think is a crucial one that all of us, especially in 21st century America, need to hear today. Look at this, Luke chapter four, verse one and two. It says, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Now that's important, we'll come back to it at the end. Full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. It's the Jordan River. It's where he was baptized and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate what? Nothing, Nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. You think? Right? I appreciate it, Luke. We got that one, right? Of course he was hungry. He went 40 days eating nothing. As far as we know, he wasn't eating or drinking. But we for sure know he didn't eat anything during those 40 days. Now, a couple things I want to point out here. First, the Bible says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. By the Spirit. Now, this is an interesting thing because a lot of us struggle with wilderness times in our life. Wilderness times. where We feel like God is not there. God is distant. But the Bible says the spirit led Jesus to the wilderness. Led him. And then it says for 40 days, he's not eating. He's fasting, being tempted by the devil. Now, you need to understand something. When we talk about temptation, it's a different word than testing. Testing, you're testing something to see what you know. I can't stand standard testing, just to be honest with you. I really couldn't stand timed testing. I enjoyed school because I enjoyed learning from a learning perspective, but I couldn't stand like the ACT, SCT, all those time tests. If I don't see another Scantron in my life, I'll be all right, right? <laughs> Especially those time ones because you get to the end and you got like five seconds left and you got 50 questions and that's when you just go on a, you know, you're just marking all C's, right? Which just, you know, statistically speaking, you're better off just choosing one letter and marking them all, all right? That was a freebie, all right? Don't just go A, B, C, D. Just pick one letter, go all the way through, all right? Statistically speaking, got a better chance of getting more right that way. But I don't, I don't like time testing. And a lot of times, to be honest, I don't like really testing at all. Because testing shows what I know and what I don't know. But biblically speaking, the word for testing and the word for tempting in the New Testament are the exact same word. There are not two different words in Greek. There's only one. It's only one word for testing and temptation. Same word. But here's what's very, very crucial to understand. The Bible says in James that God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt anyone. So God doesn't tempt, but God does test. God does test us. And this word here, tempt, again, it means test or tempt. Here's what it means, to be tested, to put to test in order, now listen to this, in order to ascertain the nature of someone, including imperfections, faults, or other qualities. So God was leading God in the flesh to the wilderness to test the quality of God. To ascertain the nature of Jesus. So God 
just like in school, will bring tests in our life to see where we measure up. But God does it to show us, hey, here's where you are, here's where you need to go. It's always good. But the devil will use the tests of God to tempt us, to question the goodness of God. I mean, you see this when the world was created. God put Adam and Eve in the garden, gave them the capacity to choose, gave them a command. It wasn't so much about the tree was bad or good. It was just saying, hey, here's everything. Don't eat this one. It was a test. They had to choose. And then the devil comes in and starts tempting. And then the Bible says Eve saw and it was good. Good to eat and would make her wise. Well, in that moment, she fails the test because she gave in to temptation. Now, here's what's interesting. Adam and Eve failed their test in the garden. But when Jesus was betrayed and captured, he was in a garden praying and he passed his test. See, God led God into the wilderness. And during that time, he was being tempted by the devil to try to get him to question God but God was testing him. Here's what you need to understand. 2018 is going to test you. 2018 is going to test you. Anybody was like, 2017 was horrible. I'm so looking forward to 2018. Anybody? That's all right. Yeah, me too. My hands raised. All right. I did not like 2017 for a lot of reasons. I'm so looking forward to 2018, but you know what? 2018 is going to face trials and tests just like 2017 did. 2018 is going to test you. Why? Because God's going to test you. It doesn't really matter what the year is. God's always seeing what the quality of your faith and discipline is. But here's what we need to understand. Jesus going without food for the 40 days wasn't the test. It wasn't the temptation. It was what Satan said to him after he had eaten that or not eaten for 40 days. So then you ask yourself the question, okay, why did Jesus not eat? If the spirit was leading him to the wilderness, why did he not eat? Here's my contention. Jesus was not eating during that time because he knew something about the temptation that was coming. He knew that in order to withstand the temptation, he had to have the full power of the Holy Spirit in his life. So I honestly believe Jesus intentionally went without food so that he would have the power he needed to pass the test. Now think about this. That goes against all human logic, doesn't it? Because right before a test, you're supposed to eat so that your brain works uh, right, functions correctly, right? We now know healthy fats are good for your brain, so you need to eat something before a test. Before you play a game, you're supposed to eat something so you have the energy. So why in the world would Jesus go without food for 40 days? Because Jesus understood something. Jesus had a habit, and what we need to understand as well is that there's another food he needed more. There was another food he needed more than just the bread we eat. And that food, he's gonna tell us in just a second, is something that goes beyond the bread we can see. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So Jesus fasted for 40 days so that he could feast on the word of God. And it was that feasting on the word of God that gave him the power to overcome the temptation and pass the test. 
So here's what we need to understand. Fasting is a personal, inward, spiritual discipline. That Let's be straight, right? Most people in 21st century America don't fast, right? I mean, it's just the truth. And the reason is, is because we're so consumed with consuming. But when you stop consuming your food, it's amazing how spoiled your stomach gets. But when you stop consuming your food and you start feasting on the word of God, then what begins to happen is the Bible says you're sowing into your spirit, not your flesh. You're sowing into, as Galatians 6, 8 says, the Holy Spirit, and therefore you will reap a spiritual power in your life that could have never come had you not gone without food and been feasting on the word of God. So the first discipline that Jesus had that we saw was he was fasting and he told us to fast. Matthew six, he says, when you fast, not if you fast, when you fast. So let me ask you just this very simple question. Do you have a regular discipline of fasting? Most of us don't. That's why as a church to kick off 2018, we're doing, wait for it, you already know, 21 day fast. You say, why in the world 21 days? What's well, three seven-day weeks, right? Sounds great. Shorter than 40. That's good, right? Longer than seven. It, it, 21 days. I think primarily it was started because people say it takes 21 days to start a habit or develop a habit. It actually takes a little bit longer than that, but 21 days is a great start. So for the next 21 days as a church... We're going to fast, and there's different kinds of fasts, and I want to give these to you. Again, all this information is on our website, but it's important to know, just kind of give you the Reader's Digest version of each. There's different types of fasts. There's four in particular that we are pointing out. The first is a complete fast. So what Jesus did, complete fast, wasn't eating anything. The Bible says he ate nothing during those 40 days. So a complete fast would be like a water-only, liquid-only fast. No, no food whatsoever. The second one is a selective fast. This is when you would say, a lot of people call it the Daniel diet, where you just eat fruits and vegetables like Daniel did when he was in a foreign land. He cut out all of the you know, lavish food in his life. No desserts, no meat, no sugar, none of that stuff, just fruits and vegetables. If you watched our... Um, Facebook live video, we were talking about fasting and my beautiful daughters, we asked her, what are you fasting from? She said she was fasting from vegetables. I'm like, baby, <laughs> you don't really eat vegetables. And so that's not something that you fast from. You, you got to fast from something that you would like or that you would normally eat. So for you, maybe it's not a complete fast. Maybe it's a selective fast. The third one is a partial fast. What that means is maybe you're not fasting every meal, but you're fasting one meal a day, two meals a day. So maybe you eat breakfast, you don't eat lunch and dinner. Maybe you don't eat breakfast and lunch and you eat dinner. If you do that one, be careful because you can gorge yourself and actually hurt yourself at dinner. That's how they fatten up pigs. They don't feed them all day, then they gorge them at night and they go to sleep, all right? Some of us are like, well, that's how I eat every day. Well, <laughs> case in point. So maybe you do a partial fast. Fourth one, maybe you do a soul fast. Now, Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands came up with this one. What this one is, is maybe for medical reasons, you just can't go without food. But there's something you can go without for 21 days. 
Maybe it's electronics. Speaking to my daughter, I said, baby, you're gonna eat vegetables over the next 21 days, but you're gonna fast from all electronics. Same for my son, all electronics, no games, no stuff, no TV, no iPads. So for 21 days, and here's what I wanna ask each of you to do, everybody to do. I want you to fast from something. You don't all have to do the complete fast. I'm not saying that. If you've never done a fast before, then I wouldn't recommend just jumping in for 21 days eating nothing. I'm not saying you can't do it. Obviously, Jesus started with 40. But if you've never gone, if you've never fast from a meal, maybe you pick one of the other ones. I've done 21-day fast several times before, and so Lindsay and I are doing the 21-day complete fast. But I don't care which one you choose. That's why we have options there. But here, as your pastor, what I want you to hear me say, I want everybody to choose something. I don't want anybody to say, oh, I'm not doing the fast. You have something you can fast from. And here's why. You fast from something so that you can feast on something else. The whole point of fasting, hear me, the whole point of fasting is not just going without food and being miserable for 21 days. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, wash your hair, put oil on your face, right? Don't tell everybody, I'll fast too. <laughs> no, take care of yourself. That's not the point. The point is not to look spiritual. The point is to actually be spiritual. And being spiritual means you're going without food. Why? So that you can feast on something else, which is exactly what Jesus does. Look back at Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four, verse three and four. I referenced this earlier. It says, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Verse four, Jesus answered him. It is what? It is what? Written. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three, which I'll just read it to you as a reference. It's not on the screen. This was Moses speaking to the people. He said, and he, God, humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but listen, but lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So the whole reason why we fast is we go without food so that we can feast on a different food, which is the word of God. So during those days, Jesus, being a good Jewish boy, would have had the first five books of the Bible memorized, of which Deuteronomy is one. He didn't have more than likely a Bible printed out because the scrolls were in the temple. So Jesus knew it by memory. He was feasting on it. And don't you know, I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us, but you just have to assume that during that 40 days when Jesus was hungry, he's quoting Deuteronomy 8, 3 to himself. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. See, Jesus was 100% human. And the Bible says he got hungry. I don't know if he got hangry, but he got hungry. His flesh was just as hungry is what your flesh is going to be when you fast. But the, again, the whole point of fasting is to feast on the word of God, which that's the second discipline that Jesus had. Memorizing scripture, it is written. Three times Jesus tells Satan, it is written, it is written, it is written. That's why we're also doing a Bible reading plan. 
that goes along with this. It started on January 1st. All this information's on our website. It's called the Foundations Reading Plan. It goes through the entire Bible, but doesn't hit every chapter and verse in the Bible. It's five days a week. You take two days off if you want to read what I'm doing. Monday through Friday, take off Saturday and Sunday to catch up on anything that you missed. Normally, it's about two chapters a day. This week was the first part of Genesis, the first part of Job. There's a PDF on our website. You can download it. You can do what I did. I downloaded it, printed it, double-sided, folded it, put it in my journal, and I marked that sucker off when I read it. So I get a sense of accomplishment, right? Like I like checking through. Here's the line. Yes, I completed it. But it's not just about completion. It's about reading it, studying it, eating on it. So we've got the Bible reading plan. Also to go along with that, we've purchased a couple hundred of these books. We're selling them for 10 bucks. It's cheaper than what we paid for them. So we're actually losing money on it. Um, We just wanted to offer this as a companion. You don't have to have this to do the reading plan. What this book does is the, the people who wrote this came up with the reading plan, pastor in Tennessee, and he just wrote a short devotional and shows you how to journal and study each chapter that you're going to read during the plan. Again, these are available, about a couple hundred of them. We can buy more if we need to, or you can just go online yourself. Again, that information's on our website and read it or get it. Here's the thing. I'm not saying you have to do our Bible reading plan or the one that we have as a church. I think it would be great if our whole church is reading through the same things all year. But, but the point is this, have a plan. Have something that you're going to be reading, not just the 21 days, but for all 2018. And I would highly recommend after this 21-day fast, you pick a way every week to still fast. Maybe you fast from one meal a week for the rest of the year. Typically what I do is fast one day a week for the rest of the year. Just develop the discipline of fasting. And when you get hungry, it reminds you to read. It reminds you to feast on the word of God. You're reminding your your flesh, flesh, you don't live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So that's the second discipline we see Jesus do. You don't have to turn there. I'm gonna read it to you quickly. Mark chapter one, verse 35. Mark chapter one, verse 35, because we're gonna come back to Luke four. It says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. There he prayed. So for those 40 days, Jesus is fasting, Memorizing scripture, quoting it, reading it to himself, saying it, and he's praying. And you see this discipline carried out in his life. He had the habit of waking up early every morning. That's a habit that I'm developing this year. A buddy of mine that goes to church here, he's up every morning. He normally texts me at five o'clock every morning. So I was like, I might as well just wake up at five o'clock. And so he's holding me accountable to wake up at five o'clock, five o'clock. I can't even say it correctly, right? I'm nervous about it. I'm holding him accountable to read his Bible. So these are good habits to develop in your life, to pray. Prayer is so daunting for a lot of us, but it goes along with reading your Bible. The best way to pray is to pray the Bible. So when you're reading the scriptures, the things that God speaks to you, pray those. You see what Noah did, how he found favor? Pray that. You see the marriage that was there in Genesis chapter two? Pray that. God, I want Genesis 2, 25. 
So just let the scriptures direct your prayers. It becomes a lot easier that way as opposed to just sitting down and then start praying for the trees, right? Let the scriptures direct your prayer. All three disciplines we see. To help you with praying, we created this 21-day prayer and fasting guide. Everybody, when you leave today, you'll get these at the door. Take these. When you leave today, don't be like, no, I don't need that. No, take it, all right? Just take it. It's not gonna harm you. And, and what we did is we just wrote out 21 prayers for 21 days. So you got week one, week two, week three. They're broken down into categories. The first week is about you, your family. The second week is about the church. The third week is about the world. Just to give you some direction to pray. All this will be available on our website as, as well every day. We'll be updating the prayer social media on our website so that you'll have a resource beyond just a printed material. So just kind of giving you some guides. Why? Because we want our entire church praying over the next 21 days. I'm telling you, I'm promising you this. Over the next 21 days, if we will fast, if we will read our Bible and we will pray, I promise you, and I don't say this often, I promise you, you will reap the power of the Holy Spirit. I promise you. Don't believe me? Look back at chapter four of Luke. Last two verses, then we're done. Look at this, Luke chapter four, verse 14 and 15. And Jesus returned in the power of the spirit. And Jesus returned, returned from what? Returned from fasting, from the temptation, from the testing. He returned from praying, from reading his scriptures. He returned from doing those spiritual disciplines in the power of the spirit. To Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Here's what you need to understand Jesus needed the power of the Spirit just as much as we do. Jesus did everything that he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see the Trinity at work. You see it in Luke chapter three at his baptism. Here's the son coming out of the water. The father speaks and the spirit comes down, descends down on him like a dove, the Bible says. That's why verse one, which I referred to earlier of chapter four said he was full of the spirit. But here in verse 14, it says he was in the power of the spirit. Why would Luke differentiate those two? See, at his baptism, when the spirit descended, that was symbolizing salvation. Jesus didn't need to be saved because he was God, but that's what happens when we are saved. We are saved by the spirit. You can't be saved without the spirit. The spirit is the one, we did this on Christmas Eve, who awakens us, who brings new birth, who brings life, just like Jesus was conceived by the spirit. Everything that Jesus did in a human perspective was done in the power of the spirit. That word there in is a preposition of means. I say this often, what that means is he was the agent behind the work. So Jesus needed the Holy Spirit just like we do. Again, he was 100% human. But here's the question. A lot of us, we are saved, but we don't have the power. We're full of the spirit. We've been saved, but we're not living in the power of the spirit. And here's why. It's because we're not sowing to the spirit. Again, Galatians 6, 8. Sow to the flesh, reap death. Sow to the spirit, reap life. You want a new life in 2018? It ain't gonna happen because of Planet Fitness membership. <laughs> Paul says to Timothy, listen, physical training is of some value, but spiritual training has value in this life and the next. 
I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm saying what's really gonna change your life is having the habits of Jesus, sowing into the spirit. And I, I'm telling you, I promise you, I promise you, you take 21 days and you fast and you read your Bible and you pray, you will reap a sensitivity of the spirit and have power in your life that you didn't have when you started. I promise you, we see it in Jesus. God wants to do great things with our life and our church in 2018. That's why we're taking 21 days to set aside, to pray, to fast, and say, God, we need you more than we need our necessary food. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for life. God, I know a message like this is it's so great for the beginning of the year because we are more motivated, but it doesn't mean it's not gonna be tough. And so God, I pray right now, by the power of the Spirit, you would speak to us, speak to each person, let them know what you want them to do. Maybe it's a complete fast. Maybe it's a selective fast. Maybe it's a partial one. Maybe it's fasting from something altogether. The point is not what it is, the point is that we're all doing it. And then God, help us to feast on your word. When we get hungry, because we're gonna get hungry, when those stomach hunger pains come, help us open up our Bible. Help us pray. We're sowing into the spirit, God. We will reap that as a promise. But you can't multiply what we don't sow. And so God, over the next 21 days, help us to sow well by having the habits. But then God, I pray for those who don't know Jesus. They've never been full of the Spirit. And we can talk about having the power of the Spirit, but they don't even know the Spirit. They haven't been saved. God, that's step one. And that's what baptism is. It shows the world that we've been saved. And so God, I pray for those right now that never trusted you. I pray that you would save them. Nobody looking around or talking here as we close. If you've never trusted Christ, there's never been a point in time in your life where you asked Jesus to save you. He was perfect and sinless when he died, but he was perfect and sinless, not just by his habits, but for you so that he could trade places with you. So he could take your place, take your sin, and you could have his perfection. So now if you trust Christ, when God sees you, he sees the perfection of Christ, not your sin. So if you never trusted Jesus and been saved, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that because that's step one. Right there where you are, if you've never trusted Christ, I'm gonna ask you to pray with me to yourself, not out loud. It goes like this. Say, God, thank you for loving me. You sent your son in my place for my sins. I give you my life. I ask you to save me, forgive me. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for those who trusted Christ today? Man, that's awesome. Thank you.
uh, I just remember, I actually forgot to ask you to raise your hand. Maybe that was a spirit thing, I don't know. But if you just trusted Christ, please, there's a connection card there. You can fill that out, let us know. We've got response team people here that would love to pray with you, love to talk with you, to give you any information that, that you need. We've got a gift for you. And so please take advantage of that. Also, when you leave, make sure you grab the 21 day of prayer guide that I showed you about. If you wanna buy this book, you can buy that. Again, you don't have to. Uh, all the information that you need is on our website. And so enjoy today, pray, ask God what he would have you to do tomorrow. And then for the next 21 days, let's fast, let's pray, and let's feast on the word of God, all right? I love you. We'll see you next week.